just to uh, that you allow us this time to hang out and we get to uh, look into the into the Word of God with you for a few minutes and just talk about um, all the good things God's doing. How many of you? It was kind of hard to get here this morning. Anybody here? Yeah. Yeah, seriously, it doesn't surprise me because it's kind of funny how, um, how, how that happens on, on mornings that I know God wants me to get here. Um, this message for me, I need it. I don't know if you guys need it, so you may just be hanging out with me this morning, but hopefully you'll need it as well. It, it got me reminded of where um, I'm supposed to be, where God wants me to be, and um, what I need to be uh, focusing on. So I, I say all that. To, let me start it off with this. There's an atheist that was out fishing near Europe. That was a good way to start a sermon. <laughs> Thank you. When all, uh, second service always helps me a little bit. When all of a sudden a huge dragon type amphibian began to come out of the water. With snarling teeth, it moved closer to the atheist. In desperation, the fisherman shouted, Dear God, Please save me. All of a sudden, everything stopped moving, and the heavens opened up, and a deep voice from heaven came out saying, I thought you didn't believe in me. The atheist said, give me a break. Two minutes ago, I didn't believe in the Loch Ness Monster either. No? No? Little? No? Sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, I just told that for me. I didn't tell that for you all. I told that because this is a, one of those sermons that are, he- it's heavy for me. It was, it was exciting. I, I love being able to um, jump through the scriptures and just see everything that I know God can do. But I think it's really important that we understand that, um, that, that God's wanting you to do something even, even more. He's maybe wanting you to show someone who his love is, who his grace is. He may even want you to be uh, showing someone what the cross looks like. I don't know about you all. There's a song right now that I've been listening to a lot, and it goes like this. He makes a way when there ain't no way. You know it's a good song when it starts like that. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free, and the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus, and let my Jesus change your life. Man, isn't that good? That fires me up. And and here's the thing. I believe those words to be true. I believe that what Jesus did at the cross is the crux of everything that we stand for in Christianity. And when we start understanding the cross, we start understanding self-sacrifice. We start understanding love. We start understanding grace. We start understanding everything that Jesus came here for you to understand. His love, his hope, everything falls right on those words. It goes on to say this. And so let me tell you about my Jesus. Who would take my cross to Calvary, pay the price for all my guilty? Who would care much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. So my goal this, this morning is to tell you about my Jesus. My goal is to just talk to you about what it looks like to really look at what he did and who he is and how much he loves you. I hope you can't leave here without knowing that Jesus loves you so much 
Um, whether you're watching online or you're here with me, man, I pray that you get that. I hope that you can understand that. And I want you to know that God knew what he was doing way before I even decided that I was supposed to preach this message. It just, that's where it came to. It was really amazing. This was what I was supposed to preach. It just fell right into my lap. I'm like, okay, God. And the more I'm reading, I'm like, oh, wow. And I know I needed it. And the more I, I, I was like, all right, God, show up. And so I got here, and I went to the back, and I don't know about you guys, it kind of took a second to get here, and um, my truck didn't want to start up. You know how it goes. Just one of those mornings. It's not, everything didn't go exactly like you planned, like every country song. And <laughs> thank you. I'll be here all week. And so it wasn't that bad. But I, I got here, and I was just like, all right. So I got in the back, and... Um, Gerald, um, who I don't know what this church would do without Gerald, he, he looks at me and he goes, um, he, he started telling me about this thing that he was making, and it turned out it was a cross that he was going to put above um, uh, the uh, media stuff. And, um, and he said, he, he described the cross, it was going to match the wood. I, I said, man, that sounds amazing. I said, I'm preaching on the cross. He goes, you want me to go get it? I said, go get it. I'll be darned if he didn't go downstairs and come up with the cross. I don't know what else he has down there, but that was very impressive. <laughs> he brings the cross up. There it is. Isn't that awesome? It's exciting. Um, but as I'm telling that, and we're laughing about that, uh, Allison comes to my left side there, and she goes, you're preaching on the cross? I thought, oh. Yeah, she goes, all the songs are about the cross today. I said, really? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Isn't that cool? He, the very song, the first song we, we, we were singing was Hallelujah for the Cross, right? Can I get a Hallelujah for the Cross? Right? I mean, isn't that powerful? Isn't that exciting? Man, I love it. I'm so excited that you're with me. You may not be as excited. That's all right. We'll work on it together. I'm going to ask that you stand with me. We do our church aerobics. Oh, and we're going to read the Word of God together, starting in Matt, Mark, not Matt, Mark chapter 8, verse 31 through 38. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. He spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray together. Father, thanks. I thank you for this word. I thank you for the power of your word. May it do what it needs to do for each and every one of us today. 
May it hit those that it needs to hit, Lord, and those that needs to tug their heart, may it tug their heart. May we all be available. May we hear you. May we try to understand your words and your grace. May we look to the cross for our hope, but more importantly, for the sacrifice that you gave up. Thank you, God. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name I pray, and all God's people say, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Billy Graham said this, God proved his love on the cross when Christ hung and bled and died. It was God saying to the whole world, I love you. It is. I think sometimes, I don't know about you guys, when I was a a younger kid, my my, my papa wanted me to have a truck, and he got me a new truck, which is crazy. Um, there was lots of reasons behind it, um, but he, he wanted me to have this truck, and man, that new truck was great. I, every, it was red, and I was cool, and it didn't even, it, I ended up having a Bose sound system. I, th- I mean, I was looking good back in the day. I'm telling you, I was the guy, and then uh, all of a sudden, the, one of the speakers went out, and the truck got old, and there was a dent on it, and my, my, uh, my new truck became my old truck. I think that's what happens in our face sometimes. So what I want to challenge you to do is look at the cross with brand new eyes. Look at it as you haven't seen it before. Um, like you're looking up to know that God's doing something different. He's doing something incredible. Um, one of my favorite stories to tell about the cross, and... Um, I don't get to tell this one enough, is when we were at at our other place um, at the shopping center, um, Gerald brought an old rugged cross that we made, and we put that as everybody left. That's what they saw. And one day I looked over, and my my son Aiden was just sitting there staring at it, just putting his hand in every groove and looking up to it. And I'm like, man, God, may I have that wonderment for the cross. May I see and look for it and want it in every ounce of who I am. So as we do that, I want you to understand this. And this is the very first part as we dive into this text. For me, it was important for me to grasp this, is Jesus always knew what was going to happen to him. It's important. In Luke chapter 2, 41 through 50, let's read that real quick. Every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Then he was 12 years old. They went up according to the custom of the festival. After those who were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know that. (laughs) 101 parenting right there. (laughs) Assuming he was with the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. I just, I find this amazing. Well, first of all, one of the things that I've always thought is when I read that is, how do you discipline Jesus? I mean, seriously, you're in trouble. I'm probably in worse, but you're in trouble. He can just tell you the sin you did yesterday. Oh, great. My son's the Messiah, you know. What do you do with that? That's, that's incredible, right? But all that, it, what, what I found to be crazy was that he wanted to make sure they knew that 
this is where he would be. Verse 49, why were you searching for me, he asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? Boy, I love that. Let's back up. Um, Verse 46, after three days, um, temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, all of those who heard him were astounded at his understanding. That's 12 years old. So here's what I wanted to get to you. He knew at 12 years old what his plight would be. He understood what was going to happen to him. He knew, he knew about the cross. He had to. There's too many prophecies about it. And for him to have an understanding of the scripture at 12 years old, and as he got older, he knew it probably backwards and forwards. I can't even imagine how how it impacted him, how it affected him, how he knew that he was going to do this, even though I can't even understand how, how hard it could have been. I don't think any of us does. And I think that's kind of the thing. Um, Verse 31, he began, of Mark chapter 8, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must. That's the NIV. I think it said in the Christian standard was um, it was necessary. So here, this had to happen. Jesus had to die for you. He had to. He had to die for me. And I think sometimes we don't personalize it enough. We're not on... I'm a mess. I need Jesus. The only way I can be saved is the blood of Jesus. The only way I can be saved was him dying on that cross for me. Can I tell you about my Jesus? Isn't that powerful? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that just, golly, get you going? Many things must be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed after three days and rise again. I mean, he's reading that to his disciples, and even in that moment, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to, we'll we'll go there in a second. But he knew Isaiah. He knew Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. He knew it. He knew Psalm 22. He knew the pain he would endure. He knew what he had to go through, and he did it anyway. Can I tell you about my Jesus? You all, man, I'm so grateful that he loves me, that he puts up with me, that he went through this because because he loved me. Philip Yancey says this, love was compressed for all history and that lonely figure on the cross who said that he would call down angels at, uh, angels at any moment on a rescue mission, but chose not to. Because of us, at Calvary, God accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice. He knew that's what he had to do. So Dave Scaff would make it to heaven. Oh. I was... Put your name in. Fill in. The good news is the first service, I can pick a lot of people's names who I can pick on. Here, you, there's nobody here I can pick on. You guys are all pretty good. So, <laughs> Jordan, he did it for you too. I, everybody knows Jordan's a good guy, so I can't win with that one. The point is, even for the least of us, he did it. That's the love of God. That's what he did. That's what he does. Now, I love in verse 32 
Um, the NIV puts it this way. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. How arrogant is Peter here? I can't even fathom. But can I tell you, I kind of like Peter because I think his heart was pure. Let me explain. I, I, I think he just didn't want to have to hear that. He didn't want him to have to endure that. He didn't want his best friend who he'd been watching do ministry and change lives and heal have to die for him. I get it a little bit. He still put his foot in his mouth. It's crazy. Last, our, our last message that was brought in just a few verses before, um, he, he, he called him the Messiah. He, he knew what Christ's mission was. He said it. And then he, he, he rebukes him. That's just Peter. I, I like it. I get it. Jesus rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So let's look at some other ones. In the New American Standard, it says, you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but on man's. The message I like the best. I know, shoot me, but I like it. The message says this, Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea of how God works. How many of you in the last, let's just say two hours, wanted to say, Satan, get lost? I know in the last two weeks, man, every other day, every other minute sometimes I'm like, Satan, get lost. Isn't that powerful that, that we have a Savior that says, Satan, get lost. You've got no room here. This is my mission. This is what I'm meant to do. Get behind me. And sometimes I think we're like Peter. We try to get in the way. And sometimes it's hard to be a leader when you lead the ways of Christ because not everyone likes you. Can I get an Amen. Not everyone thinks you're doing the right thing. Not every, but if your heart's pure and you're doing it for the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're doing it because of what Jesus did for you, it changes everything. The cross literally changed everything. A woman wrote to J. Vernon McGee, J. Vernon McGee a preacher back in the day. Our preacher said this on, on Easter. Jesus just swooned on the cross and, and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? <laughs> McGee was an old-time preacher, which I appreciate. He replied, I always kind of hear him barking a little bit. Dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip covered with sharp bones and glass. With 39 heavy strokes, nail him to the cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, then run a spear through his heart, embalm him, and put him in an airless tomb for three days and see what happens. <laughs> That's good, right? <laughs> yeah, he didn't just swoon, he died. You need to know that. We're, we're, we're quick to, he died. I don't care if it's not politically correct, he bled. I don't care if not everyone wants to hear that. That's what happened. I love you guys. I love you enough to make sure you hear that. He bled and he died because of your sin, your mistake, and he did it anyway, and you need to rejoice in that. And some of you this morning needs to get up here and thank him for it. And some of you needs to get in your pew and need to thank him for it. And some of you've got people you need to ask forgiveness from because you've forgotten that you get it from Jesus. That's where it starts. Can I get an Amen. Amen. 
So let's just take a second. I want to talk about the way of the cross. I want to talk about the cross. I want to talk actually what happened. Before we get there, let me just set it up. Before Jesus ever went to the cross, he had six trials staying up all night um, and all, all day, it says. Um, the Roman soldiers, uh, they just wanted to make fun of him. They just, that's all they did. They put a robe on him. They crowned him with crown of thorns. They stuck his head. Um, they blindfolded him. They say, it says that they beat him and slapped him and hit him in the face. The Bible says that he was mocked and that he was taken and that he was scourged. And it says that all this happened even before he ever got to the cross, before he even got up there, before they even, I mean, the piercing of his back. They, they used glass and lead and it just ripped, bones it just ripped into his back. I can't even fathom it. It's the truth when we say we don't really understand it because we can't. We can't imagine. We watch shows, we see, but we don't understand the sacrifice that he made for us. The death on the cross was a, was a death of suffocation. If you hung this way for any period of time, what happens is the muscles around your chest cavity, the pectoralis, I don't know if I pronounced that right. I just said it fast, so maybe I did. Major began to paralyze. And when all the weight of your body is held this way, eventually you're able to breathe in, but you can't breathe out. So the death on the cross would have been a simple death of suffocation, except the Romans didn't want to make it that easy. What they would do is they'd take a person's knees and they would um, bend them just a little bit and nail the feet to the cross so that so a man would be hanging there in absolute agony until the pain in his chest was about to explode with pins and needles, then he would lift himself up um, on his feet that were nailed to the cross just so he could breathe. He would hold that position until he could no longer um, stand the pain in his feet anymore, and he would let himself back down again until the pain in his lungs became unbreakable. The death on the cross was up and down, up and down. It was an incredibly torturous event. That's why the Bible tells us in history that the Romans would eventually break the legs of the person on the cross. They would stand up, uh, so they, they couldn't stand up anymore, and they would suffocate. Let me tell you about my Jesus. That's the kind of punishment he went through. That's how much he loves you. And I think we hear that, and I think sometimes we're used to hearing it, and we hear it on Good Friday, and we may hear it during communion meditations, but sometimes I don't know if we really apply it to our life. The self-sacrifice that Christ made was so that you could worship this morning, so you could sing, so you could have hope, so you could have heaven, so you could know that this world is not your home. Aren't you thankful about our Jesus? Have I told you about him yet? 
So first thing I want to talk about in verse 34, I want to just challenge us. To, it says, take up your cross. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. That seems simple, but I think it's harder than we know. I think it's really understanding that, that the cross that Jesus gave for us, we need to bear a cross saying we're going to sacrifice, we're going to give up, we're going to let God have all of us. If you don't believe me, he's going to say it even more in just a few more seconds here. It's right there. He's saying, are you willing to give up your worldly stuff? Are you willing to give up all the crud? And I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm like, yes. And sometimes I'm like, uh, mostly, right? Isn't that the way we are? Yeah, but can I watch this or can I do that? I'm guilt. We're all guilty. But the reality is, do I really love him so much that I'm willing to give everything up because of what he did for me at Calvary? A.W. Tozer says this, the cross is the lightning rod of grace that short circuits God's wrath to Christ so that only the light of his love remains for believers. I get the love of Jesus. Why? <laughs> Nothing I did. He did it all. All I had to say is, is I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and my Savior. And all God's people say, I want to tell you at this church, if you have not had a chance to say that, we want you to get that chance. Let us know. Let us talk to you. Let us walk through that process with you. We want you to see that your only hope in this world is Jesus. So take up your cross. The second thing is lose your life. It's kind of the same thing. It just hits even harder. For whoever wants their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me, for the gospel, will save it. It's pretty good stuff. You got to give up. How many of you are good at that? How many of you? It's funny. Even, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I want to worship good, but I'm uncomfortable. Anybody ever do that sometimes? I'm like raising my hand, but I'm kind of goofy at it. But if you had a gun pointed to me and said, you know, you know what I do? I'd raise my hands really good and total surrender. Hey, God's grace is sufficient that you should raise your hands in total surrender. That's okay if you don't, but do it down here. Do it in your heart. Do it in your mind. Do it wherever you need to do it. Maybe it's your closet and you just need to raise your hands and say, I know the answer. And the answer has set me free. Verse 34 through 37 from the message. I love the way that it puts this. This is an incredible insight to good leadership. It says this, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help, Seth, try it again. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it be to get everything you want and lose it, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Right? So here's the thing I need you to get. I want you to hear. I hope that you understand. I love this part. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way. What are you willing to give up for Jesus? What are you willing to let go of? What are you willing to just do for someone else? How many of you know someone that's hurting that could use your help, and you just kind of sit back and say, I know God's got someone for them? 
maybe it's the one who had the idea. See what happens. God can use you in ways you never imagined or ever even dreamed of. You just got to ask yourself, God, am I willing to, to not make this about me? I struggle sometimes. Sometimes I, I like this life. I like just, you know, having fun, hanging out. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But sometimes I need to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made so I can not just have fun, but I can show people the hope that we have, the peace that we have. The most important part is God didn't only give me a second chance. He gave me a 187th chance. And when I grasp that, when I know that, when I, when I really embrace that, it changes everything. Finally, get your priorities straight. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give exchange for their soul? Is anyone, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, you think it applies today? The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I'm going to be honest. I like it for everybody to like me. Not everyone's like that. Some of you don't care. My wife doesn't really care if you like her or not. That's okay. She would tell you that. I'm not saying anything she wouldn't say. But I do care. I want people to say, oh, that Dave, he's a good guy. But the truth is I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of Jesus. That's the only thing good in me. And as much as I want to think that I have, I don't have it. I'm a mess. I'm the one that Jesus died for. I don't want to be ashamed of him. I want to boldly proclaim his promises. And if that means being a leader that might make people mad, I'm going to have to do it. And all God's people say, I don't like it. It hurts my heart. But is it the right thing to do to stand up for the word of God? That's what it tells me right there. If you don't believe me, just argue with Jesus. That's what a leader does. A leader takes these things. And I got to be, some days I get it and some days I'm a work in progress. I want to get this more. I want to be willing to do whatever it takes so that people see Jesus high and lifted up at Christ Church every day, every week, every moment, every second. That's the goal. That's what leadership does. And that should be our goal as Christ followers. The message puts it like this in verse 38. If any of you are embarrassed over me, and the way I'm leading you when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, <laughs> know that you, you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when, you, when it arrives in all the splendor of God, his Father, with an army of the holy angels. Right? That's some pretty good stuff. I don't know if you know this, but I've been trying to tell you about my Jesus today. Have I told you yet? So this week, I tried to find just songs that were crossing. I've got a playlist. It's called The Cross, and I've been trying to listen to it over and over, and this one song just kept, and it just hit me, and it hit me, and then it hit me again. It's by Catherine Scott, and it, we played it here. I, I, I didn't realize it, but Camille said they've done it twice, so I need to pay more attention, all God's people say. 
So it it goes like this. At the foot of the cross where grace and suffering meet, you have shown me your love through through the judgment you received. And you've won my heart. And you've won my heart. Now I can trade these ashes in for beauty. Let's stop for a second. I don't know if you know this, but in our, one of our songs, we've already said that. It's amazing. Did I tell you God knows what he's doing? It's full circle. Every song, and already ha- I already had this written. I didn't know it was in there. You know why? Because God knows what he's doing, and God knows what he's going to do for you and through you, and because he loves you. And all God's people say, let me tell you about my Jesus. I'm getting fired up, y'all. Trade these ashes in for beauty and wear forgiveness like a crown. Coming to kiss the feet of mercy, I lay every burden down at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross where I was made complete, you have given me life through the death you bore for me. And you've won my heart. And now I can trade these ashes in for beauty. Man, I hope you're excited about God today. So here's the challenge. Maybe you came in and you just, you just needed a reminder about the cross. That's okay. I did too. I think we all did. Let's, let's leave it there with him. Maybe there's something you need to take to the foot of the cross. Maybe there's something you've been dealing with or something you're going through. Or maybe you just need to be transparent with God for a second and say, I'm struggling. Whatever the case is, we want you to do that. We want you to really... See what it looks like to trade trade it in, to trade these ashes in for beauty, to see what Jesus can do for even you, even me, even us. So as we come here and we stand up and we pray together, I want to just challenge you to ask your hearts to get fired up about Jesus. Stand with me as we pray together and then we'll sing a, a time of invitation. Father, we invite you to remind us of where our hope comes from. And Lord, if there's people that needs to go to the altar, may they be able to get there right now. May they come before you and just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what you went through. I'm sorry for the pain. But Father, I I thank you so much for loving me and being my hope and my friend and my everything. May I not take it for granted, not just this week, but anymore. May I work hard to love you. Even when I mess it, God, remind me of where my hope comes from. May people know that you're the one that can change this soul. You can change all the the messiness that we have. The words that we said that hurt somebody the addiction that we can't quite get under control, the fear that is paralyzing us. May we, Father, take it to the feet of Jesus right now. It's in your name I pray, in the name of Jesus, and all God's people say.